Hello and welcome to DesignCast, a podcast where I interview a wide range of excellent guests in design and STEAM education to get their unique perspectives. My name is Jason Regan and I use my 20 plus years of experience as a design educator to dig deep into complex issues. This podcast has one simple mission, to create a community of people around the world that are interested in design and STEAM education. Each episode, I chat with guests from all corners of the design world, from classroom teachers to authors and even to educational consultants. We discuss a wide range of topics that we feel are relevant today. I do want to ask you that if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review, rate, subscribe, share, or download from your favorite podcasting app. This helps the podcast get discovered by listeners that might not find it otherwise. Also, it helps me to continually define the direction of future guests and episodes. Feel free to drop by my website, www.jasonreagan.ga, to leave me a comment or to sign up to be considered as a future guest on future episodes. Also, don't forget to stop by Anchor and leave me a voice clip that could even end up in an upcoming show. Thanks for listening. So let's get to it. All right, welcome back to DesignCast, and this is the season premiere of season four, which I am just absolutely over the moon thinking about how far this podcast has come. So I am so completely humbled and thankful for everyone who has been listening and continues to listen and continues to help grow this listener base. And so thank you so much to everyone. And so on this episode of DesignCast, I was absolutely honored to jam out with my friend, Mike Bycraft. Mike is the head of design and innovation for grades six to 12 at Korea International School in Seoul, Korea. He has done so much over his career to advance the mission of design education, from speaking at regional events to writing articles for well-known publications. You can find out all about this and more on his website, which is listed at the end of the show notes. We had a blast talking about the journey that he has taken to get to his current position, as well as where he sees the next steps for KIS. I'm confident that you will find Mike's passion absolutely infectious. Really, really excited for you to be here. There'll be new episodes weekly, so please send me your thoughts and ideas about future topics. And thank you yet again for your continued support and feedback. If one person finds this helpful, then it's totally worth me continuing to do it. If you're enjoying this, please leave me a review over at um, wherever it is you listen to your podcast so that it can help the podcast get discovered by more listeners and for play, for people who might not normally hear it. 
It also helps me to continually redefine and reshape the direction of the future episodes. Feel free to drop by my website at www.jasonreagan.ga to leave me a comment or to sign up to be considered as a guest for a future episode. Also, don't forget to stop by Anchor and leave me a voice clip that could end up in an upcoming show. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat with Mike Bycraft. Welcome back to another episode of Design Cast, and I am absolutely honored and humbled to have Mike Bycraft here with me. Mike, how are you tonight? Man, I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. Uh, you know, I feel like we see each other all the time, and we never really get to collaborate. We always talk about it. We've been talking about this for a long time, and so once we the doors open back up in Korea, hopefully we can get over to each other's spaces and check things out. But hey, for now, this will have to do, right? Yeah, right. That's we're all doing the best we can. <laughs> so hey, Mike, can you tell sort of the folks who, the one or two people who listen who are not <laughs> familiar with your work, <laughs> can you tell them who you are and kind of how you got where you are? Sure. So I'm Mike Bycraft. I am the head of the design and innovation department at Korea International School. And I've been there. This is my sixth year there. Uh, and I started, and we didn't really have a design program. And one of the reasons they hired me was to kind of help build that. And some of the great people that worked there, like David Lee, who's at Singapore American now, and Jake McCullough, who's in Japan at ASIJ, like they helped start that. And they've moved on, but you know, I've kind of been there this whole time and helped grow it a lot. And I teach mostly now middle school and I've got usually a high school class one or two each semester where I teach design, but I'm kind of our jack of all trades makerspace guy. Like I teach robotics, I teach design, I teach engineering, and I kind of do all that stuff there at KIS. And it's a good time. I like it a lot. Before that, I was a science educator in the United States for 10 years. Uh, my background's in environmental science. Like I was a science person a long time ago back in another career became a teacher and did that even when i was teaching science in the u.s though i was doing robotics and doing design and always really been drawn to like those maker projects and having kids build stuff and just doing weird things in the classroom so it was a, it was a natural progression to kind of get where i'm at now so yeah that's, that's pretty much my story in a nutshell very cool. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone who's, I've seen a couple of your presentations, I think at Earcoast and a few other places, and it's always high energy. And <laughs> I know that the kids really enjoy having you. And I can promise you there's people listening who've kind of checked out your uh, Twitter feed and your website and seen the kind of stuff that your students are doing. And I know recently, I say recently, last couple of years, yeah. you guys redid your sort of design space, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, man. So <laughs> we've We've been really lucky. Like, I got to give a shout out to just the admin at KIS because we keep coming up with weird things and more stuff and saying like, hey, can I do this? And they're just like, yeah, sure. Whatever you want to do, man. That's great. So it's been it's been fantastic. So we started, I kind of just got like this older classroom to turn into a middle school maker space. And I did that. And we had like a robotics room in the basement and a design room, you know, these kind of, oh, sure, we'll give you this room that's nobody's really using. And then they finally... We're like, all right, we're going to build a really big space. And Jake McCullough actually had his CAD kids in high school design a space and say, hey, this is like your assignment. We're going to build a maker space. And we took it to admin and was like, what, what, do, you, what do you think about this? And they were like, cool. All right, we're going to build it. We, oh, uh, OK. We, we, we didn't know that was for real. Sweet. So, yeah, we took a whole almost a floor of the high school and turned it into this giant open 
area where like four different teachers work. So it's like the computer and tech area, the robotics area for high school, middle school, kind of all the digital fabrication equipment, like the laser cutter and 3D printers, and then just kind of open areas for kids to work. And it's awesome, man. Every day I come to work and I just can't believe that's my space. And it's it's really changed my teaching because all the walls are glass. So you're seeing what everybody's doing. You're wandering through, you know, I'll have my robotics kids building something and I'll go check out the comp sci class or digital design. And you're just, you're interacting with everybody. And it's because it's such a big open area and people have to walk through it. We get a lot of foot traffic. A lot of teachers are like, oh man, this is cool. Can I do something? And so it's really driven our idea of getting design everywhere. Like to me, it should be your your design spaces, your makerspace should be like libraries. You know, everybody should use them. People can come down different classes, different curriculum, and, and you should be able to kind of just have a couple people in there facilitating that. It's kind of what it's grown into. And it's it's awesome. Like I'm, I can't believe I've got the space to go to work, right? It is the stuff that legends are made of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think that, you know, it's it says something that the school got behind you guys and said, yeah, let's make this happen. I think they recognize that having that space alone helps to really raise the profile of the program. It brings in new kids and new parents, and it also really prepares your students for the future. And so I think it's super cool that you guys are doing that. And I'll make sure that I know you guys have some really cool photos and videos and things on your website about it. I'll make sure that's included so folks can follow along while watching. (laughs) Yeah, I I do. uh, Usually every year. So I like to kind of because we're always changing it. We're always adding new stuff or, or finding out what works and what doesn't. So I usually take a, a day and kind of do like a five, 10 minute YouTube video where I just walk through and show like the middle school space off, the high school space off. And, you know, we've got a, a pretty robust program. We've got like an elementary design area too now. So if people want to check that out. It's Thanks for reminding me. I probably should get off my butt and and do a new sp- do a new tour because we've added some new things this year. So it's been it's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, this year is unlike any other year as we were talking earlier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I don't think anyone's going to hold it against you for not having your annual walkthrough. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I think it would be good if you toss that up because we need some good news right now, right? Just to kind of oh. have something to look forward to. And so let's first talk about some of the normal projects that you do at, sc- at mm-hmm. school because you have three or four that are very legendary when I say that they're the things that, you know, people talk about for their whole career as a student, right? These are things yeah. that are memorable that kids coming up will be like, oh, that year I get to do this. So I know that you have a couple projects you do every year. So can you tell yeah. us a little bit about those? Sure. So I, I'm really lucky with this middle school design course I teach. It's kind of open-ended. I've started a couple projects each year. My favorite one I love doing every year. I try to do a, a high tech project, a medium tech project, and a and a no tech project. I think that's that really pushes kids in design to be more creative too. So I do this no tech project of cardboard chairs, and I love doing this. I give them three sheets of cardboard. It's like a meter by a meter and a half, and they got to build a chair that supports their weight. And they can't use tape. They can't use adhesive. They usually have to do a prototype or two, but they got to measure everything out ahead of time because they don't get any more cardboard at all. And and it gets them a proficient if it holds up a group member. And then it gets them a exemplary if it holds up me or uh, Jim Slade, who's my administrator, who's a pretty big dude. And I, I'm not a small guy either. So it's it's pretty funny. And the kids just love it because they'll, they'll do it and they'll work on it. And we've created this kind of mindset that, you know, the, the process is the important part, right? Will it always hold me? No, 
and it's it is really fun to sometimes sit in chairs and they collapse and the kids are filming it and and it used to be it, it would collapse and everyone's oh and now it's more like oh yeah and then they all laugh right because we've kind of made it this area where it's it's okay that if it doesn't work right let's talk about why it didn't work and, and what you got from it and the kids have, have become super receptive to that and it's just a lot of fun mm-hmm. The kids do really fight over uh, the smaller group members, though. I love that. Like, there was this this kid this year who's probably like 50 kilos. And, and like three groups are like, no, no, he's working with us because they figure he's an easy kid to build that for. And that's a really fun project. And it kind of deals with like a lot of the hands-on. It's really tactile. And I love that. They're, they're on the floor. They're cutting stuff out. And they're using like a cardboard, knife, you know, uh, box cutters to kind of carve these chairs and build fittings. So that's a really fun one. I love doing that. And I got a bunch of that stuff up on my website. And then I do a mini golf lesson. I've pre-built these three mini golf holes. And the kids have to create a golf hole around it with a theme. And they usually 3D print or laser cut like some obstacles. And then they play test it and they play test it again and get feedback from each other and from other kids in the class. And then we kind of have this big open golf tournament where we invite other people from the schools and teachers to come down and play. And it's really fun. And the kids just really enjoy seeing their work as well as getting feedback, right? A lot of the times they think, oh man, I'm going to make it as hard as I can. And it's going to be really rough. And then they, they, I make them play through it. And they're like, oh, this, this isn't so much fun. And so we really talk about like, how do you craft a, a fun, interactive experience with a theme? Like one year, a kid did a murder mystery where they found a dead teacher and another teacher was the detective and he had like their cutouts and he did like a podcast where you could listen to the story while you play the course. Like it was awesome. And this year we were getting ready to do it. And, you know, we hit another lockdown, but I'm really proud of the kids because I told them to make it at home. And I, I did a video. I made a golf course in my living room with just stuff laying around the house and built a putter and then just played it. And then my daughter built it with me and she played it. And then we had my wife play it and give us feedback and kind of model that for the kids. And so they still did that. They I'm grading their stuff this week. They make these videos of them playing it. And I feel it's that same concept. Right, you're designing for an audience. You're trying to get feedback. You're changing your design, and you're being flexible, which is is kind of the whole point of that project. And I just I love it so much. It's a lot of fun. And maybe it doesn't look the same as it did last year, but it's it's okay. We're getting there. Don't you have a high tech one too? I do. Yeah. So we've got a couple different options for that. And really, like right now. I'm doing a couple different things. We do like a Pinewood Derby one that I love where I give the kids a block of wood and I'm basically like, you got to make a car out of it, right? You know, the American Pinewood Derby, but they've got a 3D print and design the wheels and test the wheels. And so they make like five or six different versions of the wheels and Tinkercad and try to put it on their car. And they're like taking all these measurements and trying to get their car down the ramp really fast. And it's super cool. But that one's kind of still medium tech. There's this high tech one I do that I love. It's like a monument project. And they basically play the role of like an architect or social studies person. It's kind of turned into this almost a, a bit of a social justice investigation too, where the I set it up as they're, they've been given this area and they're proposing a monument or a park or a some type of thing to commemorate an event or a person, you know, and and it could be like a famous person. It could be like Neil Armstrong. It could be Chuck Yeager. One year, uh, these girls did a monument to comfort women from World War II for Korea. And and that was real heavy, but it was awesome, right? And we talk about different monuments around the world. We talk about like Yad Vashem and Israel and like the Vietnam Veterans War Memorial and all these different monuments and what 
makes people create it and what's the message they're trying to do. So the kids will create it at first, usually in like SketchUp or another program that that kind of draws out this plan. And then they'll do a mock-up version and we'll usually like laser cut and we'll 3D print stuff and they'll they do a big presentation. And, and in the past years, I've got like high school social studies classes to come in and act as the the townspeople or the board of you know, directors, whatever you want to call it. And they give the kids feedback and the kids have to present this and talk about what it means and show like kind of an interactive walkthrough as well as having this model. So I, I try to get as close to a authentic experience as you can. And it's that's been awesome. Kids have done some things that have blown me away. Uh, one of these kids, they built an Arduino with a screen and it played like a clip from a movie, like it was this big centerpiece where you saw it as you walked through like this cathedral. And then another kid, they did a, a monument to the founder of Nintendo and they built like this whole building with all these Nintendo characters and like a monument that had like a, the guy talking and voice clips from his interviews. And it, I mean, it felt like a real monument to me and it was really interactive. And I'm so blown away by what kids do when you kind of just open things up and you're like, I don't know, man, do what you want. And here's a bunch of examples. And they pull <laughs> stuff out. You know, I mean, you, you see it all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they just they can do such amazing things uh, when you kind of just open it, like let them experiment. Like, what do you want to mm-hmm. do? And and really, they're mostly held back by just that feeling of, oh, my God, can I actually do this? And like one kid, you know, can, can we can we like have a thing that plays a video? I'm like, sure, build it. And they kind of look at you like, well, I don't know how. And I'm like, OK, so here's an Arduino. <laughs> Right. Here's a screen. You know, we're going to figure this out. And it's great because the kids can then see, wow, I can I can do whatever I want with this thing. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I always get excited hearing your passion talking about these kinds of things because you can tell it's it's a really fun time for you guys. And, you know, the monument one is great. And I would be interested to hear, you know, how the recent changes in people's perspective and monuments are being torn down and different things like that, how that might actually play into this as we hmm. move through that time, you know, yeah, we, and, uh, and, and you can get into those ethical discussions, you know, those, we, those sort of social dust, like you were saying, the social justice stuff. Yeah. We started collaborating with like the English department because they do a, they do a fantastic social justice unit and they read these books and the kids do kind of a investigative thing. And we, we try to collaborate and say, Hey, you know, you're looking at this stuff. You're writing about the black lives matter movement. You're talking about, uh, women's rights, and you're talking, to, and and then you know, let's let's build a monument to it as well. What would that look like? One of my really good friends is a woman named Megan O'Dell, who's the head of our English department, and she's kind of spearheaded that project, and it's really grown in incredible ways. And these, you know, these kids are so cognizant of the world, so much more than I think I ever was at that age. And they're talking about deep, heavy stuff, man. Like like when the the girls came to me and said, "We want to do a, a thing about comfort women," you know, and this is the same class mm-hmm, that somebody's mm-hmm. like, "Hey, can we do a monument to like Sonic the Hedgehog?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> Yeah, I get, I guess, <laughs> but it was just such a, a difference, and it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the best projects I've ever seen a kid do. And it was it was like this garden and they built this tree and they had like these butterflies made from traditional Korean fabrics and their wings moved with like servo motors. It blew me away, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it, w- it would be something you'd really see. And we talk about monuments in context, like, a, like one of my favorite conversations to have with them is about the Vietnam Veterans War Memorial, right? Which is 
probably we can all agree one of the best monuments in the world. And I talk about how against it most people were right when it showed up because it was just those names on the wall and that that really changed people's perspective, right? Do we want to celebrate a war? What do we want to celebrate about it? You know, these are just people that died. And is that a tragedy? Is this a good thing? And one of the best things about being an educator is just being blown away by kids pretty much every day. And, you know, having these incredibly deep conversations with a room full of eighth graders, you know, it's, it's, it's not, not something I would have seen or expected in my life, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. and they are, they're bright kids. And I, yeah, we never even talked about stuff getting torn down yet. You know, that's, yeah. that's a whole well, I mean, awesome. it's happened since we've kind of been locked down, Yeah, uh, right. you know, so I think, and you know, a year on or, or a year and a half on from all that happening, so much more will be known. And so I think yeah. it will definitely help in that discussion mm-hmm. as we see how things have developed after you know, all of that. But yeah, that's super cool, man. And this podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Do you, you guys do something with Lego Mindstorm too, don't you? With like a ramp yeah. and some other stuff? Can, I'm yeah. really excited to hear about that. Oh, oh, man. Yeah, so I teach all the middle school robotics courses, and we've got two of them. And one's kind of a large scale, like applied. And then one's kind of a smaller, like you're, you're dealing with a rover bot. You know, the first year I taught it, I was kind of open-ended and, and thinking of these things. And I was, I was frustrated because I felt like, man, everybody's robots look the same. I would set up these challenges and, you know, one kid's thing would look like another kid's thing. And, and there's kind of a, a one right way almost to do these challenges. And I just thought, man, I, I got to make this bigger. I got to do more with it. One of the things was like, well, let's climb a ramp, right? That's a, that's a pretty old school robot challenge. So I just decided to build this big, giant curved ramp. And uh, one of the people we teach with, Benny Alton, is really good at design and graphic stuff and just making things look cool. So he was teaching the class with me one semester. So he took this ramp and he like he put all these like lines on it that show the degrees that it's at and insane. And then I built this big maze and he's putting this stuff on it. And so it was this great collaborative effort. And it just blows the kids away, right? You roll out this huge ramp and say, get up there. And they're like, wow. I was like, I don't know. You figure that out, man. You try to, you tell me. And that's it's been such a great thing in my education, like as I've done more and more design and robots is to step back and just mm-hmm. do less instruction and more facilitating, right? Let me let me help yeah. you if you're having a trouble coding or whatever, but I'm not going to show you a right way to get up this ramp. I don't know what the right way is mm-hmm. to get up this ramp. And they, again, they just, they come up with super weird, fun stuff and, and their robots crash all the time. And I love it, right? That's, and part, man. That's the best part. That's what I watch is the, the <laughs> highlight reel of all the crashes, right? <laughs> I've, I've started asking them, they make these websites where they document their work. And I started asking them to make like failure montage videos. And they're just making these awesome videos, just the robot crashing over and over and over. And I just, I work so hard to kind of get that mindset that failure is okay, that you can, you're yeah. learning stuff, you're progressing, right? We don't stop when we mm-hmm. fail. Mm-hmm. It's never the last step, but it's absolutely a, an engineering and design thing yeah. that happens all the time. I like to call that safe failure. I like yeah. to create opportunities for safe failure because I find that I learn better when failure is fun yeah. <laughs> and it, it is safe to me, right? And so I think opportunities for that to happen. Uh, and and like what you're talking about, I mean, that's a low stakes yeah. situation, right? Like, so their grade isn't dependent on how much they go up the grade. You see what I did there, right? Uh, uh, so. <laughs> Sorry, bad dad joke. But, you know, their mark is not dependent upon that, right? I mean, it's about the engagement and about 
the success of putting this thing together. Am I right in assuming that? Absolutely. Like I just, I say over and over, you know, it's the process that we're going for, right? Like that's the educational outcome is the design process is putting it together, testing it, getting that feedback and trying again and doing it again. And even if you're successful, right, well, make it more successful. Oh, you got up to, to 50 degrees. Cool. Uh, get up to 70, you know, get up, get up to the top and it just kind of keep pushing them. And when you create, like you said, safe failure, they're going to try weird stuff, right? You're, they're going to be like, oh, hey, we got to 50. We got a video of that. Let's let's totally rebuild this whole thing, you know, and, and even having a successful one and then rebuilding it again and taking it down. Like it just it's so much fun to watch what happens. And and then when it doesn't work, you know, hey, what well, what happened? Like, let's talk about why it failed that try and what maybe what you can do to improve it. And then at the end, you know, we're just we're finished. Like, like, let's look at the work you did and and you're good, right? I evaluate them on all different kinds of things, not just, you know, how terrible would it be if as a, me, a teacher, just, oh, well, you got to 50, you get an A. You know, oh, you only got to 35 yeah. degrees, you got a C. <laughs> Sorry, kid, right? Like, yeah. what an awful thing. But I found, too, that also really helps our kids because, you know, you and I teach similar kids. Some of them come in, man. Some of them are like, hey, Mr. Bycraft, I write Python in my free time. You know, and you're like, oh, oh yeah. I got those. Okay, cool. You know, next to this other kid who's literally never, never seen any code in their lives. And so I think that having kind of that open-ended stuff helps maybe not even the playing field, but make it so that everybody's getting something out of the class and everybody's design project is valuable to them. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking about moving forward, I mm-hmm. mean, let's, let's let's remove the COVID situation yeah. out of the equation <laughs> in a sense, you know, and yeah. you think about your vision, you know, three, five, 10 years down the road, what would you like to see happening in the KIS design department, so yeah. to speak? I think we're really at the end of the beginning for us. You know, f- when I started here, we didn't really have a, we had like a computer course or two. You know, we didn't have a ton of robots. We didn't have a lot going on. So we really, we've grown super fast. We've added a ton of really passionate, great people with with similar mindsets. And so now I think my main goal is, I mean, obviously I'd always love to have extra teachers too. That'd be nice, right? Because we've created this great problem for ourselves. So now everybody in my department teaches like four or five different preps, right? Because you, you've built all these great classes. But I'd really love to see us, like right now we're, we're in the works of doing this program we call a Pathways program. So for our high school, School students, a lot of these high school kids we have are really passionate about design, but they all want to go to really good schools in the US. So they want to maximize their GPA and take all the AP classes they can, which sometimes isn't the best plan. But you know, our kids are really motivated to do that. So we're trying to start a program now, you can specialize and we're calling it like the pathways program. So you get like a diploma with a distinction on it. And you would have these four distinct pathways of like digital media design, coding, engineering, or robotics that we've created almost like college majors, right? You need to take a certain number of classes. You need to be in a certain number of clubs. You need to do like a senior project that's kind of open-ended where you would have a teacher facilitating that with you, but not necessarily telling you what to do, right? Just checking in and, and then kind of doing a large scale project that benefits the school. We have a kid, Kevin, who's awesome this year and he's a senior. So he's kind of leading the charge on this. And, and a couple of years ago, he he and Justin Marslander and me and a couple other teachers built this arcade cabinet. You know, we took a Raspberry Pi and we we made like a, a real arcade machine that plays old school Nintendo games. And he's just like, I just really wanted to do this. And it was this great example of, of what a kid can do in his independent time, you know, working with another teacher. And I think I'd really like to see us with kind of that program because we've got a great program in the elementary school. we got a great program in the middle school. And so I want to create like a showpiece program in the high school, right? So a kid can go to college and have this, not like a resume, but like a portfolio 
of all the cool stuff they've made and built, showing their growth as a learner. So I'd like to see that a lot. I'd really like to get kind of streamline our design, like digital fabrication. Right now, we've kind of got a bunch of different ways. Kids want to 3D print stuff or laser cut stuff. And and they got to go to me or go to this guy, Mark, who works with us, who kind of helps us out a lot in the department. But he's also an ed tech teacher, right? So he's got his plates pretty full. But just a way of like, or maybe having seniors facilitate that, right? Like a senior is helping run the laser cutter or helping run the 3D printers for other classes and kids. I think my biggest dream is to just interact with other departments and other projects and be a resource, you know, and collaborate with social studies, right? Hey, we're doing this monument project. How else can we help you? You know, what can we do together? What can we do for literature or or with theater, right? We help a little bit with set and prop design, but I'd love to see this kind of expand to where we're, as a department, you know, you're interacting with all these other programs, making really authentic things, building stuff that the school needs, building stuff that teachers need, collaborating across different classes. I think that would be a really cool thing to develop over the next couple of years. And we're almost there. I can feel us. We're like right at the cusp of it. You know, 2020, good times. So okay. It's a year that will never end, man. I'll tell you what, it just seems <laughs> like, it. and you know, we were saying earlier how you and I are in a really fortunate position that we're not having to cope with a lot of the things that, I mean, we've been coping with it longer. Let's face it. I mean, we were dealing with yeah. this months before other people were. But, you know, we're having a current spike, of course, but yeah. it's still not to the level of a lot of places. So I, I do count us to be very fortunate. And, and you know, the fact that we still have had opportunities to see our students since the beginning of the school year and a little bit anyway, you know, in yeah. person and, and things like that. So, but I love it that you're talking about pathways. That's the thing I'm really, it's a real kick of mine right now is this idea uh-huh. that developing really concentrated streams that students Students can can jump on and learn more about, you know, and this idea that why not prepare students for their future? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely, right? and, and to give them like a recognition for that too, right? Because some of our kids are are doing amazing things, and it's like if we're going to ask you to do all this stuff then the least we can do is kind of like put something on your diploma or so we're really working with like our counselors to say, well, how can we get this recognized? You know, and and if you've got a kid that checks all these boxes, right, that's a major accomplishment. How can we support these kids? So it makes it worth their while too, right? Because they want to, they want to be successful too. And yeah, and and send them off to school, right? And say, oh man, I built all this stuff and I designed these things. Totally agree. I mean, I think that it does give them a leg up to have recognition for the things that they're doing and the things that they're, you know, helping to, and it's beyond sort of that club level, you know, yeah. that extracurricular level. It's it's much more concentrated and, and very deliberate with the mm-hmm. way that, that you do that. So I'm, I'm really anxious. Maybe we can collaborate some on that, Mike, because I'm I'm interested to hear more about that. We're really focused on film and, and sort of this media arts type pathway. And so it'd be really great if maybe we could find a way to pool our our resources and work together some on this. And so I really, it's cool that you guys are thinking about that. That's great. So yeah, we had it, we had it ready to roll this year. And then, you know, this year became this year and then last year, but yeah, you, you bring up a good point too. We just, we just took Phoenix TV under our, our department wing, Benny Alton, again, who's a guy I work with, who's actually 
that's his background is, is media design and, and film has kind of taken over our Phoenix TV for the high school. So we're yeah, looking Benny's at, great. Benny's a great guy. Oh, he's a real deal. And so I really want, I, oh man, I would love to have like a high school film festival kind of thing and have I'd design, be on board, man. I'd totally yeah, be on board with that. <laughs> get, de- get design kids building props yeah. and stuff. Oh my gosh. That's now we're talking. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that actually probably we could use this medium of this podcast to pull some folks together to make that happen. Happen because I do know some folks who've done that in their area. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could have something a bit more global. That'd It'd be, be really. Well, I mean, we have to start, of course, probably on the peninsula, but yeah. uh, <laughs> then we could then we could go from there. But anyone listening who might can help us out, let us know. And then yeah, we can, dream, we can dream do big, something. right? You know, heck why? yeah, man, don't stop, right? And and now with all this, all of us being such experts at online conferencing, <laughs> I think we could easily run something online. You know, I mean, like yeah. before that would have been a pipe dream, but I think now. Now it's definitely a reality. So, hey, Mike, so shifting gears just a little bit. Yeah. Tell me what are some of the ed tech tools you cannot live without? Oh, man. So I, you know, this is going to sound like such a fanboy thing, but man, I love Google stuff like the Google suite and I really use in sites. Uh, that's become my go-to thing. Like all my students now create a website. doesn't matter what class they're in and they document all their stuff online and they make videos and they put up their pictures and that's, they use Google docs and they link it in there. So I've got these lists for my classes and it's just got a web address for each kid. And, and they update it every time we finish a project each day when we do something new, it's changed the way I teach because I just can, these kids have this interactive way of of expressing their learning. And it allows them to kind of control assessment too, right? They want to showcase the things that they're really proud of and that they think are great. You know, I give them guidance, but it's just become this great thing. And I put it in their report cards now in their comments, you know, hey, mom and dad, check out this website. This kind of shows what your kid does, which sometimes can backfire if the kid hasn't really, you know, maintained their website. Not that everybody's is great. Most of the time, it's it's just really blown me away how much kids can do with it. And not every kid uses like a Google site, but they're all doing some kind of web design. And it just make really cool stuff. And it's kind of helped the kids go with it too. So that's going to be my my nerd thing right there. I don't think it's nerd thing, man. I think it's yeah. actually our new reality. So we'll be the first ones who can tell everyone else about it because I've actually got my students making, you know, student portfolios yeah, and yeah. they're actually using them as part of their college application now because of the doing away of some of these standardized tests as, as options. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the students that I'm working with are using them as part of their application. And they're getting really, really positive reviews from those admissions officers. So I think you can, you know, I'll I'll share some with you so that we can, you know, (laughs) show you guys what they're up to. But that's great, man. I mean, I think it's awesome that you're using that. And I'm sure you remember that Eric Burton, do you remember Eric Burton? He's got that classwork Zoom. I don't know if you've used that much, Mike. Have you used that? I have not. Yeah. So it's an extension that you can put and it includes Google Sites now. So what it does is and when a kid has shared that because it has revision history, you can then go and see how much time they spent on it, how long they worked on a particular page and that kind of thing. So it's just another way. So I'll share, I'll, you know, I'll I'll send, I'll email you that. But yeah, yeah, it's really fun, man, because he's just added that feature. So Sorry, it's a shameless plug for Eric. But, no, um, dude, that's sweet, man. Whatever. <laughs> that, that's like 90% of my career is looking at cool stuff people are doing and being like, oh, I can do that. How can I How can I do that? You know, and just fanboying on people over Twitter, right? Like, yeah, heck yeah, man. Well, Eric needs some fanboys, so I think we could be the, the fanboy <laughs> herd, the fanboy army for him. All right, Mike, so what's some books that we should be reading right now? Okay, so I... 
I really try to read a lot and I'm a big genre guy. So I love like sci-fi and, and other stuff. And so my favorite author is this guy named Peter Watts. And he's a he's got a PhD in biology and he writes these super out there books that are really cool. And he's got this book called Blindsight. And it's probably my favorite book of all time. And it, it's just a fantastic novel. It's not, you know, like I'll, I'll, in a second, I'll talk about like design books, but like man, I can't plug this guy's stuff enough. It is just, he integrates all these different ideas and talk. And then my favorite part is at the end of all his books, he does like a lit review, like a, like in a journal, like he links, hey, here's this crazy thing I talked about and you think it's sci-fi, but here's like seven journal articles that actually talk about its early stages. And here's this, and here's this. And it really lends this credence to his books of, of how where we're going with technology and Mm. and the cool stuff that's out there. But I like for design stuff, man, I I know it's old school, but Robin Williams, uh, non-designers design book (laughs) is just so great, right? Because most of us in this teaching role, we're not like professional designers. Like I don't have a degree in design. You know, I just really like building stuff. And, and you look at kind of these, these uh, ways people break stuff down or like the art of tinkering by Wilkinson is such a great book because it's, it's all these different things and examples that you can bring to the classroom. Right. And it's like, here's, here's a chapter on electronics. Here's a chapter on aesthetics. Here's a chapter on color theory, you know, and, and all these different disciplines that we kind of incorporate together. Uh, so I, I, it's so much value in that for me, especially written by real design people. (laughs) So I can kind of figure out what I'm doing because I'm like, I I don't know how that works, man. Like my wife's an art teacher. And so she's got, you know, a couple art degrees and she knows her stuff. So I'm always like, can you, can you look at this and tell me something? And she's like, yeah, okay. Well, that's a nice idea. Where'd you get that from? Let me tell you about it. Peter (laughs) Watts. Peter Watts told me all about it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah. So, Hey, you know, you bring up your wife and I know she's an art teacher. Mm -hmm. How does that influence the way you do things in your classroom? Having, do you guys collaborate? Do you know what's, what's, what's the deal? Yeah, we, we have, and we've, we're working on it more and more, especially because she does elementary and I love, I love pairing up big kids with little kids. Right. And so we've been trying to facilitate a lot of things. She did this, this great unit. She kind of spearheaded this year about the masks we wear, you know, very timely. Right. And she had the kids designing different masks and kind of expressing themselves via these masks. And then we also, I got her together with a CAD teacher. I've taught CAD in the past, but I'm not teaching it this year. This new woman, we've got Joyce Pereira, who's just fantastic. And they, she decided to have her high school kids design like those ear savers, you know, for your masks. And then we paired them with all the kindergartners and said, Hey, let's, uh, let's do some masks, right. And let's get the feedback and build stuff and 3d print them and put them on these kids masks. And that's been super fun. And then Marsha did this thing this year where we did turtle art and we coded like that had the, had the first graders code these designs and these repeating patterns. And then we laser cut them. And then like Mark McElroy, who you probably know, cause everybody knows Mark and he's the real yeah. deal. He was laser cutting these designs and helping these kids. And then we used these laser cut designs with printmaking. So she was like making clay out of it and stamping stuff. It was just this great interaction back and forth. It's amazing, right? Every time I watch her in her classroom, right? I think my job's tough. Mm -hmm. And then I see her like teaching 22 second graders how to paint. And it's just like, (laughs) okay, yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. But really for her, her biggest influence for me has been aesthetics. 
because I've mm-hmm. always been a function over form yeah. guy, hundred yeah. percent. Another feeling, right? And if it, it uh, like my dad used to say, right? If it's stupid and it works, it's not stupid. And so I use that with my kids, right? If it's ugly and it works, it's not ugly. But we all know our students like stuff that looks cool, and maybe it can look cooler. And so she's done a lot for me. Hey, here's some ways to make things look better, to improve the aesthetics while also maintaining functionality. It just can't be said enough, right? I know my Apple phone isn't the most powerful phone out there, but it looks really cool, right? So like that's. That's why I'm a buy it. And, uh, and I think like she's really helped me a lot, especially last couple of years, I've kind of tried to, to branch out and learn some new stuff and find a hobby that wasn't electronic based or, or anything like that or design. So I started, I started painting, man, it is so funny to talk to her because, you know, she's been painting for like 35 years. And I'm just like, oh, Hey, I did this. Can you see? Yeah. Yeah. Mike, I've seen that before. Thanks. You know, <laughs> but she's, she's tireless. She's just like, yeah, you can do this and look at this and add these things to it. Like it's, it's amazing how much better she is at delivering instruction about about design and aesthetics because she does it with such a diverse audience too, right? With pre-K through fifth graders. So I think that's been been kind of like the enjoyment part of, of working with her at the same school. Something I wouldn't have done back in the day when we were at different schools, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that's missed on folks that are in like a public school or in a yeah. big district type situation where they really wouldn't usually have, you know, a, a married couple or partners working together. Mm-hmm. But in international schools, it's very, very common, you know, exactly. to have. Yeah have a teaching couple. I find that to be really rewarding and really frustrating all in the same <laughs> place. <laughs> yeah. In a good way, you know, in a good way, because we know all the same people, you mm-hmm. know, and it's it's hard to escape talking about work sometimes, you know, yeah. and especially now. I mean, I think it was easier before. Now, you know, we're frustrated about, you know, oh man, we're back to distance or we're back to this or we're back to that. And so it's actually, you know, been kind of, luckily, I, I think like your wife, my wife is, she teaches in the in a different division she's in the elementary school mm-hmm. kind of thing so we see each other but we don't which is good you know we have yeah. enough of a, a you know professional distance there to where it doesn't become an issue but we're able to get to each other if we have to to bounce ideas off or to you know pay the electric bill or <laughs> whatever <laughs> it is you do right yeah. and so it's really good to have her but yeah i was just curious because i remember hearing that your wife was an, an art teacher and i wasn't sure how that affected what yeah. you do and so that's really neat to hear about the collaborations you guys have. And, you know, that's what life is all about, right? I mean, that's what the whole idea behind IDEO and design thinking was, let's get as many different voices in the room and see what can happen. Exactly. And it's it's so valuable to me with my students to kind of show them those examples and say like, man, everybody who's in this field, they're not all computer scientists. They're not all engineers. You know, they're, they're all different walks of life and that those perspectives are super valid and important to have somebody kind of outside that box looking at things. Uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, you probably know her is uh, Simone Gertz. Gets, I don't know exactly how to say her name right, but she's the lady that makes the robots that don't work oh. at all. And I love her work. And she's a big proponent of like, I'm not an engineer. You know, she's like, it doesn't mean I don't do good work, but mm-hmm. you don't have to have a degree from MIT to be, to be working in this field. You don't need to be a hardcore computer scientist. Just be somebody who wants to kind of tinker and make stuff. And an art person is going to bring something to the table that a, a science or engineering person isn't. Same with, mm. like, I've been collaborating a lot with social studies and, and English humanities teachers, right? And man, they got they got so much going on. I will admit that's not a field I know a ton about. So it's it's been great to work with some of these teachers who are really bringing neat design perspectives, that empathizing, that way of relating to history and hearing stories. That's so essential to good design. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. I agree with you completely. And you warned me that we would start going on some rabbit trails, but actually yeah. you brought <laughs> you brought us back around when you mentioned, you know, some of the people you follow. And so yeah. who else should we be following on Twitter? I love Ringo DeGrando, who's at uh, Manila right now. He's their kind of senior head of design. And man, he builds the coolest neatest stuff. He has been an inspiration to me my entire career. And he's just, he's got kids doing graphics work and like making t-shirts and just robots and just everything. And they're, it's so fun. And and I love that, that, that his classes, you can tell everybody's having a great time. Mm-hmm. I'm a big follower of his. David Lee, obviously, you know, got to yeah. shout out that guy who's kind of one of the reasons I'm where I'm at. He does a lot of really cool stuff. A friend of mine in Frankfurt, uh, Nicole, and she's, ah, what is she like? I think it's just Nicole F. And she's at Frankfurt International School. And she does some really just neat Mm -hmm. science integration work with her kids that I like. And they've got a really nice design lab too. They're kind of doing all kinds of cool stuff. So I like like those guys a lot. I've been watching all the stuff like Raleigh, right? Who used to work with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's at at Verso now. Is that where he's at? He's down in Thailand, didn't he? Yeah. And like, I don't know, man, he used to do some really cool stuff with robots. And that whole school now in Thailand that they're starting is is pretty inspiring to me to have that design mindset and to really those open-ended classes where the students are helping design their curriculum. Yeah, there's just, Twitter's been such a great source of information for me and just mm-hmm. watching teachers. I probably on it too much, <laughs> but like, I love watching uh, the great stuff people do. And it's just, it's so inspiring you know, what people do that, that I would have never thought of. You know, Troy Harkin does some really cool stuff too. Mm-hmm. He's a, yeah, did, uh, in China, in Singapore, yep. and they've mm-hmm. got, they've got some really cool stuff going on there. Very cool. Yeah, I appreciate that, Mike. And yeah, people follow you too, dude. So don't, you know, don't sell yourself short, brother. You know what I mean? True. Yeah, I'm I'm no, I don't have a lot of shame when it comes to uh, promoting my stuff on Twitter. But I I really want to just showcase the cool stuff my kids do. Like, I love tagging people in stuff. Like, we've gotten tweets back from Lego and from like Blizzard Software and Activision. And the kids just love it, man. Somebody like Makey Makey or Tinkercad retweets a kid's work. Holy cow, is that some awesome some authentication for those kids or what? Yeah. You know, Mike, I could go on all night, but both of us have to work tomorrow. (laughs) I don't think we can call in after this, but so listen, if folks want to get in touch with you, we know you've got your Twitter handle there and and I'm going to include that in the show notes. Is there any other ways that people can reach out and get in touch with you? Yeah, I've got a website. It's just Mike Bycraft's classroom and you can toss that out there too. And I try to, it's, it's a mix of like some of the stuff I'm doing professionally and some of the talks I do and some of the work, as well as I link all my student classes because I have a website for each of my classes on Google Sites that they're welcome to look at and ask me questions if they want to do that in their classroom. I do have a YouTube channel that, boy, is about as far from professionally and smooth as you can get. It's pretty authentic, and I create all these videos for my kids. I try to do examples, right? Like It's like the science classroom rule. Don't do a lab with your kids that you haven't done first. So I try to I try to do my design projects myself as, as modeling for my students or build robots. So I put a lot of those examples up on YouTube. Give me a shout out on Twitter. Or send me a message. Like I've I've made some great connections there. And you know, you and I don't see each other all the time, but I feel like we we talk all the time, right? Because <laughs> we we're do. right there on Twitter. Heck yeah, man. So. Just tweet back and forth. Well, Mike, I really appreciate it, man. We could talk all night, but I, yeah. I think it's probably time we should wrap it up. Hopefully we can have a follow-up once things are kind of back to normal. And Absolutely. I want to hear about more about the certification stuff that you're doing with your students and and that sort of thing. It sounds really fun. And and so I'm I really do appreciate you taking time to to chat with me. 
Yeah, dude, I love this stuff. This is how you know you're you're cool is when you're on this podcast, right? <laughs> you're too kind, man. You're too <laughs> kind. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, take care. I hope you enjoyed that episode of DesignCast. I'm Jason, your host, and I produced and created this podcast. If you have any input, I would love to hear from you. And I look forward to seeing you again really soon.